Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Get, get out your, your, I'd say your pen and your notepads, but I don't suppose any of you even know what they look like. Uh, they're old-fashioned kind of things. We used to write with them in the old days. So get out your smartphone. Oh, you've got one. Awesome. Get out a oh, couple of you here. A young person with a notepad. My goodness gracious, Victor. What on earth is going on? Uh, get out your smartphone. You'll find that uh, we've invented a new technology that blocks Facebook and Twitter uh, while the message is on. You won't be able to access it. Uh, I'm patenting that right now. <laughs> Wish I did. I reckon I'd be a multi-gazillionaire. Bill Gates will move over. Here I come. Uh, we're talking about grow. And I tonight want to help you think about how do I grow? I don't know if you've ever wondered, I certainly do, and wonder quite a lot, about what it takes to continue to grow. The psalmist said this, I have been young and now I am old, and I've yet to see the righteous forsaken. If you've been on this journey for more than, say, 10 or 20 years, you will know people that when they first started following Christ were on fire for God. They just... They couldn't get enough, go to enough, read enough, pray enough. They were there for everything going on. And then as they got a bit older, they seemed to plateau out and stop growing spiritually. I'm not talking about whether you attend everything. I'm talking about a hunger that says there's a lot more in front of me still than there is behind me. And we've probably all seen people like that. Have you ever wondered why people stop growing? That, that puzzles me more than really what it takes to grow. Why on earth would, would somebody, a believer in Christ, ever kind of get to the point where you go, you know what, I've got all I need. I've got everything I want. From now on, I'm just going to press pause and I'm going to cruise my way all the way through the rest of my life. I, I'm flabbergasted by that. I wonder why two people can go through the same circumstance and one of them will come out bigger and better and the other person will come out barely or bitter. And I wonder about that because I know that it's not a matter of favourable circumstances that causes people to grow. And some of you here tonight, you've got stuff and junk and misery and, and things about your life you'd like to change and you can't change them. Here's the good news. You can't change them, but you can certainly change you. You can't change everything you're going through right now. But I can decide in the midst of what I'm going through that I'm going to continue to grow. Get the message from this morning. If you won't go through it, you can't grow through it. Let that speak into your heart and into your life. You can download that one for free, of course. But let's go to Matthew, uh, sorry, Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to read to you a story that all of my life, because I come from farming country, I always thought was a stupid teaching. When I say stupid, I dare not accuse Jesus of being stupid, obviously. But I always was puzzled by it because I thought no farmer I know would do what this person does. Let's read. Mark 4 verse 2, you with me? Then he, Jesus, taught them many things by parables and he said to them in his teaching, listen, a sower went out to sow and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. 
Some fell on stony ground where it didn't have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns and then the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. And then Jesus says this, he who has ears to hear, let that person hear. And I always thought this parable was so strange and I missed verse 13. Let me read that one to you. And Jesus said to his disciples afterwards, he said to them this, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? He told many parables, many stories. Matter of fact, the Bible says he never spoke to the people generally without using a parable, a a heavenly story or an earthly story rather with a heavenly meaning. And so he spoke like that. But he puts this uh, parable right up at numero uno. He puts it up at number one and says there's something special about this parable that we need to know because in Jesus' pantheon of parables, in his list of all the great things, he said, this thing here, this one here has a special place. And if you understand it, you will understand a whole lot of spiritual truth that otherwise you'll miss. How many people are up for that tonight? Just saying I'm here for that in Jesus' name. How many of you had a nap this afternoon and you're still groggy? Just give me a little wave. Had a nap, I'll just come over and just slap you one in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'll take a glass of water next time. How many of you didn't have a sleep this afternoon and you wish you had? That's a lot of hands. Look at all you young people. Look at all you young people that need a sleep. Goodness gracious me. What is the, well, heaven's above. Anyway, I better keep going because it's really not about your sleep patterns. This parable is number one. It holds the key to spiritual truth. As I said, I always thought this parable was strange because I I come from farming country and my sister and my brother-in-law's farm, if you go out there, there's some patches of it that obviously are quite barren. They don't look like they're going to produce much. And so guess what? They never plough it. And yet this sower goes out and we are told he throws seed onto barren ground. And then he throws seed onto stony ground. And then he throws seed onto thorny ground and some of it lands on good ground. And I always used to think, well, that's a weird way to farm, Jesus. And obviously you know everything. You knew more about fishing than the fishermen did because you could raise up a a miracle of fish by saying, just cast your nets on the other side. And he was a carpenter, they were fishermen. But see, because he's Jesus, he knows everything. And so I wondered why then he would use such a weird kind of a setup to talk about this until I began to realise that the parable of the sower is not a farming lesson. It's not meant for you to go out after that and go, this is how I should farm. Go get a big bag of seed, go out there, footpath, who cares? Chuck it out, you never know. Uh, you know, go out there and there's just, you know, stony a rockery. Chuck some in there, you never know. He's not trying to give you a biology or a horticulture lesson in how to uh, produce a crop. He's telling us about a spiritual truth. 
And here it comes and we're going to go through it. Let's read verse 14. The sower sows the Word. This is Jesus' explanation. The sower sows the Word. So this straight away, He says to these guys, this has got nothing to do with wheat or rice or barley or milo or sorghum or nothing. Milo. Yeah, we used to plant farm milo. It was great. Big spoonful of warm milk. That'll make you think. These are the ones, he says, by the wayside where the word is sown, when they hear Satan comes immediately. This is not about farming. Because now we see an enemy comes in to this spiritual zone who begins to attack what God is trying to build and starts taking away. Lots of you here have never, ever, ever given any thought to the fact that maybe some of the things you go through are got nothing to do with God trying to teach you something. They've got nothing to do with God allowing stuff to happen, but there is an enemy to your soul. Trust me, come on. There is an enemy to your soul that wants to oppress you, that wants to plant seeds into your mind, that wants to tell you how hopeless it is, that you're not going to make it. And if you don't understand that, you will not do what the Scripture says and resist the devil and see him flee. You'll go away saying, well, that's just me and I can't help it and I'm no good and I'm never going to make it. Amen. You've got to understand, listen to me, because somebody here in this place needs to hear this tonight. There is a devil and we don't glorify him, talk about him all the time here, but we ought to at least know there is a devil and if he can get you your focus and your attention of something or other else, he can snatch away the very word that God meant for your good. And I'm convinced that some people, it's not because they're bad, it's not because they're thick, it's not because they've missed the will of God or God prefers the person over there better. It's because they never understood there was somebody stealing from them and they needed to do something about it. About a couple of years ago, I think it was, uh, Rhonda and our daughter had gone away flying to somewhere rather. Well, about 2 a.m. in the morning, I think, I saw a torchlight flashing out the bedroom window. I thought, that's a bit weird. Don't ask me why I woke up. Whoever it was was very silent. And I'm laying there. Big, brave, tough mate. I called the dog. Big Lola, 40 kilos of bull mastiff and American bulldog. Well, she came out, looked at me, went, Walk back in onto her rug and lay down. I'm going, useless dog. I reached out to turn on the touch lamp and they never went on. I'm going, oh my God, I think whoever it is has turned the power off. I start, I pulled out my phone. It's on silent. I'm going to phone police 131, whatever it is. I'm going to ring that one. I thought, oh, that's pretty dumb. They'll just think I'm just ringing up to report something. So I ring triple zero. I said, there's somebody out there and I think they've turned the power off. And, and, you know, I never just kind of went, well, who cares? Huh? Why on earth would Christians act like, well, who cares? I rang somebody and literally within five minutes, I had three police cars, including the dog squad, out there because whoever it was had taken a shot. I heard a ping and a hole went through the glass of one of, of the study window and I'm there and I'm looking for something to arm myself with. I do want to break my fingernails. And uh, I'm going to arm myself with something. Rhonda had moved the, 
the, let's just say there was something there I could have used. She'd moved it before she went away. Why? I don't know. And I'm in there fumbling around the dark. All I can come up with is a little plastic coat hanger. I thought that's going to do a lot. And I, anyway, within five minutes, I've got the three police cars, including the dog squad, and I'm wandering out in my jammies. And I remember because this police sergeant, I'll never forget, he looked at me like. <laughs> it wasn't my Thomas the Tank Engine jammies, but it could have been. And, and they, anyway, long story short, they apprehended someone uh, across the laneway and across the other side of the road, and they got this guy. But here's my point. If somebody's trying to steal from you, you don't unlock the door. Huh? If someone's, come on, because some of you hear the devil's robbing, you're just going, well, anything else you want? Huh? Come on. Who is ready to fight for the things that matter? Who is ready to say, devil, I'm tired of you always robbing of me and stealing from me. I think sometimes in the church, we get so passive. We get so full of the grace of God. Oh, Mm, amazing grace. And we get so full of that and we lose the bit of, can I just say, Holy Spirit grunt. Holy Spirit, mm, Holy Spirit like, mm, you know, like, mm. you know what I mean? Some of you don't know what that is. Well, I'd say mongrel, but that's a very Aussie term. So if you're from, and a lot of you are from other nations, if I say mongrel, I don't mean bad, horrible person. I mean, and you better edit this out, Mitch, because this is just not going to fly in. In Sicily, they're going to say, he called those people in the church a mongrel. Where was I up to? Satan takes away the word that was sown in the heart. Verse 16. These likewise are those who were sown on stony ground and when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They go out of church and woo Got it. It's amazing. And they've got no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. It's not general persecution. It's not I don't like you. It's that something, listen to me, something challenges the promise. Maybe it's a second opinion that goes against it. Maybe it's a bank statement. Maybe it's a bill you weren't expecting. Maybe it's some kind of a, a, a friend that uh, defriends you and you start going, well, what on earth is going on in my life, in my world? And something arises, listen, listen, for the word's sake. And it says they stumble. They stumble. Verse 18, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They hear the word. Their problem is not that they've got no root of themselves. Their problem is for these people that cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes, it becomes unfruitful. It was fruitful. Something started happening, but they weren't alert. And so when stuff started happening, they just lose track. I'll come to all these in a minute. But these are the ones, verse 20, the ones that we all want to be. These are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60 and some 100. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. Lord, every single one of us here has a desire to grow, to be everything you want us to be, myself included. None of us want to stop. 
None of us want to allow the devil to come and steal things that you meant for our good. None of us want to allow stuff that's going on in our world to just blind us to the good things you have in store. So help us tonight in Jesus' name. We give you alone all the glory, Lord. Amen. <clears throat> amen and amen. So Jesus is saying in here four kinds of soil and there's four different results. And Jesus is saying in this parable that unlike a farming analogy, no farmer would throw good seed onto stony ground. But unlike that, he's teaching us about spiritual truth and wait for it. He says this, every single one of us choose the kind of soil we are. Now, rocky ground does not choose to be rocky ground. It just is rocky ground. But unlike ground outside in the natural, spiritually, I get to choose which one of these four I am. And you say, well, Jeff, what are the things that, that mark that? How do I avoid that? I'm glad you asked. Let's go, because the first one here is the wayside. The first one is the side of the road. Here up on the screen, I think there's a picture for you. We all know what a wayside looks like. That's it there. There's the highway. You're on the highway and you're going somewhere. But you know what? The side off the roadway, that's what the wayside is. Now, you don't go anywhere on the wayside. The wayside is where you pull over and stop. The wayside is where you pause your purpose and you stop. Now, maybe you'll get going again, but maybe you'll just stay there. Some people do. The same sower, the same seed, but I get to choose whether I'm going to be a wayside kind of person. The people that are going somewhere stay on the road. When we lose sight of our Sense of purpose. Listen, if you're writing notes, don't write down purpose, write sense of purpose. Because I think universally, the biggest mistake I see believers make is this. They mistake a sense of purpose for clarity of purpose. They think until I get a prophetic word or a vision from God, until I know a label, a signpost, a direction that's obvious to everyone, then I don't have purpose. But listen, there is a sense of purpose in your life because you are called of God. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9 says that He has saved us and called us. So everybody here that's received Christ as your Saviour, you have a purpose in God. Listen to me. You might be a student. You go, Jeff, hey, listen, I chose that, that course I'm doing at uni right now. I chose that. God didn't choose that. But I would say to you that God has a purpose in whatever you are in. You might say, but Jeff, I applied for the position I'm in right now. I made that choice. God didn't tell me to do it. I just did it. But I'd say to you that God's divine purpose is overarching everything in your life. You married that person and maybe you're happy with it and maybe you're not. You, you kind of started that relationship. Maybe it's good, maybe it's not. But I would say to you that divine purpose is both the covering over our life and the substratum under our life. It's the foundation of your life. Colossians puts it this way. It says, in Him we live and move and have our being. It is impossible for a Christian, it is impossible for a believer to be away from divine purpose in their life. You can pull up on the wayside 
You can, listen, you can park your purpose, but you cannot get rid of your purpose because once you have given Christ your life, you step into divine purpose that's a part of your life from this day on. That's why you can trust God with the areas of your life, with the decisions that you make if you submit them to God. God doesn't, listen, being a good Christian doesn't mean God's got to tell you everything. Scripture says, I being in the way, the Lord led me. In other words, I was in God's purpose because I'm called. Doesn't mean everything that happens to me, God ordained but it means I can trust the purpose of God in my life. Don't pull over to the side of the road. Don't step out of that. Have a sense. I Listen, if you were to ask me today, still right now after all these years, because I used to have people come to me and they'd go, Pastor, you know, you're called Pastor. You're ordained as a pastor. But which one of the fivefold ministry out of Ephesians 4 do you think you are? Are you an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor or teacher? Well, I would say because at one stage it was the big fad in church for everyone to know their calling. You had to know it. What they really meant was not know that you are called, but know your label. And I'm not a fan of labels because you'll never live up to a, a, a label, but you will live up to a call. Amen. So don't get too worried about, well, I, am I an evangelist? Just evangelize everybody you can. Huh? Come on, are you here with me tonight? Am I, am I not, I'm not going too fast, Emma. It's not too deep, is it? You're all getting this? Huh? I don't care whether I'm an evangelist. If I've got the good news of Christ and you need it, I'm going to give it to you. I don't care whether you call me evangelist or whether you call me, you know, uh, Jeff. Well, who gives a rep? Well, let's do the work of the ministry. Amen. Let's do the work of it, not wait till we get anointed, appointed, and disappointed. Because there's way too many people that got anointed, appointed, and then got disappointed, and now they don't do anything. Come on, are you all here? Huh? Come on. Come on, I'm preaching good tonight. Really good. I feel like I'm really getting it. I might, I might even give them. <laughs> Thanks. But... He's called us. Don't wait for a label or a box. You know, maybe you might go, well, I feel called to children's ministry. That's really, really good. But maybe you don't feel called to any of them. But go and find one and do it. Amen. Well, I don't feel called to the ministry of whatever you want to call it. I don't feel called to the ministry of, of hospitality. Why don't you just be hospitable? Oh, I don't feel called to the ministry of pastoring. Who gives a rip? Just do it. Care about people. Amen? Turn to your neighbour and say, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. So the first bunch of people here, that miss it, they miss it because they, they pause their sense of purpose. If you want to become fruitful, listen to me, live every day like your life matters. Live every day no matter where you are. Oh, Jeff, I'm at uni and right now I'm in my second year and the second year is the hard year. You know, we got through all the weeding out the wannabes and now we're down to the serious ones. How many people know that's true? That is true. Ask me how far I went at uni. It wasn't the first year was my problem. It was the next one. Come on. So understand, live every day with a sense of purpose. Say, God, I'm here for you. Now, if God, listen to me, if God wants to change where you are, he can speak to a moving vehicle 
but he never gives direction to people that are on the wayside. Put the picture up again, please. You know, when you see that picture up there, can you imagine someone pulled over on the wayside and they say, I just need direction. I go, well, maybe you should just get on the road and go where the road's going. Amen? If I'm going to Darwin, if I'm driving to Darwin, I don't need, you know, a Darwin person sitting in the car beside me. I just say, I'm on the road to Darwin. I'm just going to keep on going. You know how long you keep on going to go to Darwin? Till you get there. (laughs) Amen. So if we're going to go somewhere, let's just keep on going. Here's the second bunch of people. It's stony ground. These people are shallow. The Bible says they've got no root in them. And as soon as the sun comes up, they wither. You know what? These are shallow people and it's all about them. That's what having no root or being shallow means. It means it's all about them. My problems, my needs, my preferences, my ministry, my future. That's an incredibly shallow life. The truth is a self-focused life will always be an unfruitful life. As long as you and I live, I I wish I could tell the whole world our obsessed world with selfies and don't you know who I am and how many followers I have and and how many I can buy and all the rest of that jazz. Um, And I'm not against selfies, by the way. God bless you. Post them all and make sure it's your best photo. That's cool. But don't make that the pinnacle of your life. Amen? You know, I've said before, I've got a friend of mine who uh, worked with people that were mentally and emotionally broken. Like, I mean broken and everyone else had given up on them. And he saw him phenomenal success. And when I used to go to him and say, Frank, tell me how it is. You have success when everybody else fails. He said to me, one of these keys was, he said, I get them involved in helping other people. Why? Because he said all of their life's about them. Can I say to you, if you're struggling with depression and God bless you and I'm not making light of anyone's need and I'm not saying it's all just one thing, but can I recommend you find a way to bless somebody else. Find a way, no matter how it is, come and serve in hope. Come and see Amanda Ellaby over here. Stand up, Amanda. Come and see Amanda. That's her right there. She leads hope and she's got, you know, 48 degrees in social work and all the rest of that stuff. But you don't need that to be able to go and help her. You know, I walked through there on Friday and walked through Hope and the Ministry of Hope down there and I don't have a degree in anything. The only degrees I've got are on the thermometer at home. <laughs> Ka-ching. No? I think I need you on the drums tonight. But you know what? I walked through there and I smiled at people and maybe you could become a blessing to somebody. Don't live your life. If you want to be fruitful, get off stony ground. You get to choose this one. A self-focused life will always be an unfruitful life. Here's the third one. Is if- <music>